The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I'd like to talk to you about a new affiliate program we are a part of here at, at Fantasy Sports DGN's Bench with Bubba, all that good stuff. It's a new daily fantasy sports website, and I am pumped on it. I've been dabbling on it lately. It is a blast. You don't have to worry about salary cap, guys. It's that simple. It is super draft. Highly recommend it. It's exclusive multiplier game mode. A brand new way to play DFS. Draft any player you want with no salary restrictions. Each player is given a value that multiplies their points, giving you the ability to maximize your score with the players you want. So in essence, you know, Nelson Cruz versus a lefty might be multiplier times one, but you can go get some scrub. You know, Jason Kipnis was 1.6, and he goes deep. You can pick it. It's all about do you want to take a gamble on a riskier player or take the chalk. Tons of fun there. The pitching is the same way. Really, really cool. They have NFL coming up. $125,000 week one NFL kickoff contest. Tons of great stuff at Super Draft. They have golf, basketball, hockey also. Really cool stuff. We're going to be ramping up, doing more content with them. But I highly recommend checking it out. They have a bunch of free rolls. Get comfortable with it now. they got preseason coming up. Big, uh, big full slate Thursday night. Got baseball all the time. There's free rolls all over the place. But if you make your first deposit of $10 or more, use promo code Bubba and you'll get a free $10 deposit bonus. So you put $10 in, you get $20 by using promo code Bubba. I highly recommend checking it out. We can dabble in it there. If you have any questions about it, hit me up on Twitter at BDNTrick. Really easy to get a hold of. But it's Super Draft. It's in your app store under Super Draft. All one word. So go check it out. Super Draft. Great way to play daily fantasy sports. New, new format. Promo code Bubba gets you a free $10 deposit bonus when you deposit $10 or more. All right, if you have a rating and review on iTunes, I'd much, much appreciate it. But until then, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 206 with Michael Florio, Fantasy Football Draft Preview.
welcome back everybody to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 206, getting you your fantasy football draft prep, big fantasy football weekend coming up for you, talk about some week three preseason recaps, some big news, ADP debates, and much, much more. In order to do so, joined by a good friend of the show, making his return to Bench with Bubba, you can find his work at NFL Network and Fan Tracks on Twitter at Michael F. Florio. Mike, how we doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me back on. It was a lot of fun last time and happy to, to be talking some football this time. Yeah, baseball last time, football this time. Always like chatting with you. Like I, I said right beforehand, uh, I could have sat and just chatted with you about ballparks and everything else before <laughs> we even we got going, but I figured we got to get recorded a, a sooner than later. But uh, always a pleasure chatting with you. Before we get into the brass tacks of the football preview here, what do you got going on these days that you can plug away in? Because I know you got a lot going on. Yeah, I appreciate the the opportunity to plug it. Uh, fan tracks uh, starting next week, week one. It really snuck up on, like, not snuck up, but it, it, it was quick. Though. It was quick. <laughs> yeah, it's still like I still have like five drafts to do, and next week is already week one. But starting next week in week one, every week you get my my rankings over at fantracks.com. Uh, I'm gonna still be writing on nfl.com a slot report article. Uh, gonna break down the best slot matchups. So those guys who you're gonna want to get into your lineup that week because of that slot matchup. And then also on Sunday mornings, I think uh, the plan is for me to do a start sit video live over at uh, at Fantrax. So you can follow me on Twitter at Michael F. Florio, and and you'll if you just follow me, you'll see all all my work out there. Awesome, yeah, Mike. Mike does awesome work, as you guys have known. To like, if you listen to this show, you probably already know who Mike is. But he does great work. And um, I highly recommend checking it all out. Uh, busy, busy man over there. Let's get right at it. Um, the big news that dropped, and everyone's talked about it, but we haven't had a football podcast yet, so we're talking about it here on Bench with Bubba. We've got Andrew Luck just shocked us all. I remember I was glued to my phone, like more than normal on Saturday, which tells you a lot because I'm usually always on my phone. And I literally set it down for a half an hour. I went to charge it. I'm sitting down having dinner with my wife. I go back to my phone. And it has blown up, Mike. Like, absolutely craziness has taken place. Andrew Luck retires. Lots of ramifications here. First off, let's just kind of go piece by piece here. You have Jacoby Brissett's going to be taking over as starter. You got Swag Kelly in town. Uh, they're, they're said to be interviewing um, Osweiler, which is weird to say. But what's your take on Jacoby Brissett? How do you think the offense will flow with Brissett? This is a li- like a little bit of a weird answer. I I don't love Brissett, but I also think the jury's still out on him. Like I a lot of people are are already poo-pooing him and all the weapons around him based on the the 2017 season and these these Colts teams are night and day 2019 and 2017. They went from having one of the worst offensive lines in football to arguably the best in football the weapons around him are better he's had more time to get comfortable with this offense if you remember they traded for him right before the 2017 season now he's had all of 2017 as a starter all of last year as a backup this preseason basically as the starter so I think that the jury is still out on Brissett he's a young quarterback I don't obviously he's not going to be what Andrew Luck was but I, I think the jury's still out on him I don't think we can fully say that he's awful and gonna drag down T.Y. Hilton like he did in 2017 and, and funny you say that that you were coming back from you were eating dinner I was actually coming back from dinner I had a, a big dinner at a Korean barbecue place and I was just ready to like crash on my couch when I got home and then I saw the news and and, and I was just on my phone and laptop immediately once I got back very similar story 
Yeah, it, it was crazy. Like, literally, I, I'm watching preseason games. My wife started nursing school, so she just studies all the time. So I'm getting way more free time than normal to just to do fantasy stuff. Like, I need to take advantage of this for a couple of years. And I'm, I'm literally just having having a blast. I don't usually watch preseason. I'm like, okay, I'll spend some time. I'll, I'll go plug it, put it away for a bit. And then just that 30 minutes, there it happens. Um, you mentioned a big thing there with Brissett that, that really, really stands out to me is people are, like you said, papooing him. Because in 2017, A, he got there late. B, completely different offense. Frank Reich is a very, very smart offensive guru. I think he's going to be able to do things with these better weapons, like you said. By no means is it going to be Andrew Luck. But, like, do you – right right now, like, obviously his draft stock, stock has started to increase in recent drafts. But he's still the 26th QB off the board. you got, like, Nick Foles, Sam Darnold, Matt Stafford, Derek Carr. So, most likely, unless it's a 2QB super flex, he's not getting drafted – where do you kind of see him falling in the overall like QB rankings if you had to to, to give an idea out there? Yeah, I currently have him at QB 27. Uh, he's in my tier six, and it's a lot of the names. Outside of Sam Darnold, he's in my tier five. I think his upside is higher than all of uh, the guys I have in my tier six. But that tier is Derek Carr, Andy Dalton, Nick Foles, Matt Stafford, Jacoby Brissett, Marcus Mariota. So, I think that's the proper tier for him. Obviously, the, I think that that's where I have him ranked. But a lot of these guys around him that I have him going there, they're they're later end quarterbacks. They're they're guys who maybe are a little bit more proven, but aren't you know going to set the world on fire. Not really guys that you want in your fantasy lineup. And I think quarterback is deeper than ever. And not to, to poo poo these guys, they're good depth pieces. But I don't yeah. want one of these guys in my starting lineup. Yeah, they're they're two QB league type guys, but by no way a uh, single QB league. They're uh, they're waiver wire um, if necessary. They're uh, bi week type options, but you never know. Maybe Brissett like lights the world on fire and we'll have some fun talking to Fab next week on Jacoby Brissett. But um, T. Y. Hilton, that's the one of the big pieces everyone's talking about. You know, there's high expectations. We know the relationship Hilton and Luck had. We've seen all the nice words Hilton has said about Luck. Like they were like a, like brothers. And uh, they, had, they had a rapport on the field that you can't deny. And he's, he's dropped down. He's the 15th running back off the board right now. He's, he's going anywhere from pick 12 running – or wide receiver. Uh, he's anywhere from 12 to 21 off the board right now. Depending on where you look, Mike, you're seeing him go even lower based on people's rankings. Where do you see T.Y. Hilton kind of playing out in this situation? I have T.Y. – it depends on your format in standard and, and half-point PPR. He's still – wide receiver 20 for me uh in ppr i actually have him at 22 that this one though is one that i keep going back and forth on i feel like it might be too low and and i know people are going to be scared off based on 2017 like i said Brissett, you know in 2017 i was saying you could drop ty hilton in the second half of the season he really only had two big game two or three big games that year and the rest of the time it was garbage but i don't again i i think Brissett will be better in 2019 than he was in 2017. And I think T.Y. Hilton, they're, they're still going to try to – Frank Reich is a better coordinator. Uh, I, I like the line better, like I said. And, and a big part of why I like the weapons is because I think it's going to help T.Y. You're not just going to have to keen in on T.Y. Hilton and know if you could stop him. This offense is not going to do anything. They do have some other playmakers now. So I do like T.Y. Hilton as a low-end wide receiver too. But I'll fully admit – I'm not comfortable with this ranking right now. I'm still going back and forth on where I finally want to place him. But at 22, I don't expect to have him a lot right now. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Like, I have a feeling that people overreact too much. 
I'll go for it because I think you, you see a lot of the same things I see throughout Twitter. Some guys are really dropping them down. Uh, there's people doing NFC drafts right now where he's falling pretty good. Like, where does he have to fall for you to go grab him? Because I've seen some guys get him in the fifth, sixth round right now. Yeah, if he's there in that range, I'm perfectly fine taking him. And just to to put it, like, in perspective, I last year, I remember luck was no guarantee coming into the year and stuff. I was hammering the table. Luck and T.Y. Hilton were my most owned players last year in fantasy. It really worked out for me. And coming into this year, I was higher than most on T.Y. Hilton. I had Luck as my QB3 even when, you know, that we first got this injury scare. And T.Y. Hilton was in my top 10 or 11. So I, I had him very highly. I, I do, did downgrade him quite significantly. But, again, I'm not overreacting. I, I'm as much as some people, like you said, on Twitter and such. I've seen people say they're not drafting him no matter the price. I've seen people say he's not going to be a top 30 wide receiver. It, to me, that feels like too much in the, in the other direction. Yeah, and that, that's I'm with you there because, you know, as bad as the offense could be, it's still going to be very good. And he's one of – if there's 30 football teams, he's one of 30 number one receivers on those teams. There's a good chance he'll finish as a wide receiver, at least like a top 20, 25 at the worst wide receiver by season's end. And he's got that upside to break things at all times. So you never know what T.Y. Let's go to the running back situation now. Coming into draft season, you were either pro-Marlon Mack or you were anti-Marlon Mack. That was pretty uh, pretty clear and evident uh, throughout the, the draft process. And now it's like you're pretty much anti-Marlon Mack unless you get a steal. Similar to T.Y., he's dropping down to like the sixth round or so. Um, there's different scenarios I've seen. It's like people, Scott Barrett, I think, tweeted it out before the luck deal that uh, Mack was great because he got most of his work when the, the Colts were up 14 or more points. But now people are saying they're not going to be blowing anybody out with this offense. Where's Mack's workload going to go? How do you look at uh, Marlon Mack now? I was lower on Marlon Mack. I, I, like you said, you either loved him or hate him. I felt like I was on the, the hate him side. And it wasn't even anything against Mack. It, part of what it was was, like you said, when the, he's better, game, more game script dependent. And I don't like running backs like that. It's one of the reasons why I don't have Derrick Henry anywhere. And I don't plan on that changing. I don't like running backs that need positive game script to produce and I also don't like the running backs that aren't ever really utilized in the passing game, and Naheem Hines is going to eat into the passing game. Although Marlon Mack later in the year last year did start to see more work in the passing game, I currently have Marlon Mack in PPR as my RB22, but I this is another one. The Colts ones are guys that I am tinkering around still with. Most of my other guys, I, I have them where I have them, but the Colts guys – I'm still making up my mind on this situation, but I currently have them have him at RB22, but that's just ahead of Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, and Miles Sanders. Those are all three guys that I may put ahead of Marlon Mack when they're all said and done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of Duke before all these injuries, but uh, yeah, I'd probably have Duke ahead. The rest, you can make arguments pretty much for and against. Um, those are the big two guys. You have Devin Funchess. You know, Chester Rogers, the tight end situation of Ebron and Doyle, which is very interesting. You know, stats have shown Brissett loves uh, his tight ends. You mentioned Naheem Hines. If it's more of a pass game situation, could it be Hines? We don't know. What's your thoughts? Like, do you have any, you know, quick thoughts on the rest of the offense? Or are you just kind of sticking it? You're going to stick with Hill. You're going to stick with Mac. Let the rest kind of unfold the way it unfolds. I, I don't really have any interest in Naheem Hines unless he's going falling really and Yesterday, he I was in a best ball draft, and I think I got him in round 14. So if he's falling to that late of a pick, I'm 
perfectly fine scooping him up. Uh, Devin Funches, I think, is low-key a little bit sneaky. He did have uh, five of the targets that uh, from Brissett's 15 passes this offseason, uh, this preseason. And I know T.Y. Hilton didn't play, but if those two have a report, I'm not telling people, you know, make sure you go out and, and actively target Funches in drafts. But if he's available in the later rounds or even off the waiver wire after week one, I think he is just a name to kind of etch in the table and see if that chemistry carries over into the regular season. I think the tight ends, though, are an interesting one because in 2017 when Brissett started, he attempted uh, – 8.4 passes per game to the slot, and that was just as many as he did out wide. So he likes to throw those players that are the safer throws that are close to, you know, those, those shorter A-dot targets, higher completion percentage targets, if you would. And, and that carried over into the pre, uh, the preseason where we did see him throwing to Ebron and Doyle quite a bit. So I, I think I did downgrade Ebron a little bit, but I still think he is, in, in standard leagues, a tight end one, low-end tight end one. And I think he's a, a low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two in PPR. And I think Doyle, obviously Doyle is a nothing more than a late-round flyer right now. But I think there there's the ability for him to have a positive return on that very, very cheap investment because he – when he was healthy last year, he outsnapped and out-targeted Eric Ebron. So he could be that, you know, safety blanket in between the 20s, and then we see Ebron, you know, heavily utilized as they get closer and closer to pay dirt. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Doyle's actually a guy that I've been, you know, super late in drafts, just going, screw it, I need, you know, this or that, and he's available, especially in best balls. So I think there's some upside weeks coming from from Doyle at that position, so no problem with that at all. Let's go to the Houston Texans. Big injury to Lamar Miller. Nasty hit. Wasn't a dirty hit. It was a completely fine football play. But watching the replay, you knew right away it was not good for Lamar Miller. Um, out for the year, torn ACL. Leads Duke Johnson to be the man, and they really don't have anything else, you know, in play right now. We still expect them to get something. But uh, Duke's the guy, according to Fantasy Pros PPR League. He's the thirty-third running back off the board. You have him in your top twenty-five, and I, I kind of lean your way. But uh, what's your take on Duke now technically being the number one guy there in Houston? I, I'm bullish on Duke. And, and when I first saw the Lamar Miller injury, my initial reaction was, all right, Duke Johnson's now a top 30 running back. And then the more I was thinking about it, I was like, no, he's a top 24 running back. That means he's an RB2, some guy, a guy that I think you could draft and start week one and the rest of the year going forward. And And the reason why I say that is, Duke Johnson is one of the best passing catching pass catching backs in the NFL, and he's a an analytics darling. Like he he rates well across the board. The only concern about him is, oh, can he carry the load? Even if let's say they bring in a a you know Jai or Doug Martin or or if one of these other vets that get cut, and, and that person is going to eat into some of the carries that Duke Johnson's going to see. Duke Johnson is still going to be the running back out there catching passes for them. And I also think we're going to see him a lot on first and second down. Maybe we only see him 60 or 65% of the snaps, but that's starter numbers in the in today's NFL. So if he can see that, I, I think the sky is the limit for him in this Houston Texans offense. And I think there were enough, not enough people are looking past what the Browns did. Uh, let's not forget in 2014 for Miami – Duke Johnson carried the ball 
not not touched, carried the ball 242 times through 1,652 wow. yards and 10 touchdowns. Like, this guy – and he's not small either. Like, that's always the key thing I hear about Duke Johnson. Oh, he's a small back. He's 210 pounds. That's the weight of most running backs in the NFL. Like, he's not a small dude. And we've said this, you know, last year about – uh, there was concerns about Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and, and got a little bit guys later on, like, oh, can they handle the workload? We always doubt it until we see it, and I think that's wrong, and I think Duke Johnson is going to prove people wrong this season. Yeah, like I said, I've, I'm that guy, I think, for the last, like, two years at least, I have taken Duke in drafts late over and over again, knowing they wanted to work him out of the slot. They wanted to work him here or there. I play, like, pretty much all PPR leagues, so he was going to get you value as a flex running back. And if ever anything were to happen, he could fill in and get you some really nice points. And DFS, always cheap. Like, I'm a big Duke Johnson fan. So I, I kind of, I don't know, I, I look at uh, when people say he can't do it. And I'm like, no, he can do it, guys. I get the fact that they don't want him to do it all. They're going to want to bring someone else in there. But I think he can be pretty good. Um, I'm curious to see this last big draft week and to see how the ADP really shakes out come seasons in. I think he's going to obviously fly up the draft boards with all this latest news, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes come draft week. I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in the situation there, but we'll see. You never know. Uh, it just takes one hit in football, unfortunately. All right, let's talk about some interesting news, things that have kind of peaked up today in the last few days. And, you know, some have been going on all offseason, like Ezekiel Elliott, but it felt like in recent weeks that, you know, there, there would be a deal by the start of the season. You had that feeling that Zeke would be playing, but now – they're out of out of Dallas, the Jones family basically saying, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a few games to start the season. And that just changed my whole philosophy because I was pretty confident he'd be back. What are you doing with Ezekiel Elliott? This is a big weekend. Like I, I drafted with guys a week ago. They took him number one overall. I've seen him go anywhere between one and four. What are you doing with Zeke? I have him right now as my RB5. I've moved David Johnson ahead of him. And I drafted Zeke last night. I did a best ball draft. I had fifth pick, and I took him. I, I'm still of the mindset that I think a deal is going to get done. We've already heard reports that they offered him a contract to make him the second highest paid running back. Maybe they upped the money a bit. I, I think, though, the fact that while they're saying talk is silent right now, we still have about 11 days to go before kickoff. I, I Maybe I'm just hopeful and I'm wrong, but I still do think a deal will get done and we'll see Zeke on the field week one. But with that said, the closer and closer we get, the more and more scared I am. And I've started to tell people because people have tweeted probably the most asked question I get on Twitter is, what do I do at pick four now? And I tell everyone I still would lean Zeke, but if you're uncomfortable with the situation, totally get it. I would go David Johnson. And if people are scared by Ezekiel Elliott right now, then I think you do pivot and you go David Johnson. After that, though, at, at five, you know, maybe you could pivot and go a D-hop or a Lev Bell. But I think you're starting to get, you know, the later into the first round that Zeke falls, the harder it is for me to pass up. Yeah, I'm with you. It's getting harder and harder because the talent level, he is, like you said, could easily be a, a running back one. Um, he's only going to fall so far. So you have to still you either believe him and you want to take the risk or you don't. Like you're either still scared of the Lev Bell situation or you don't. I still think he plays. I'm with you. I'm just surprised by the, the recent kind of change in the last, say, 24 to 48 hours where, I, yeah, it seemed things were going good. And, yes, they offered him that second deal, and Zeke wants the number one deal. So they're going to have that back and forth. But eventually Zeke's got to realize there's still two years left on your deal, bro. Like, let's realize that there's a CBA in place. 
if, if you had like a deal expiring or they're franchise tagging you, yeah, we could talk about this, but you still have a deal in place. We need to, to play some football here. A similar guy um, who's got maybe a little more argument than Zeke, he's played a little longer, is Melvin Gordon, who now, and I think it's a really kind of BS report, and that's what it kind of feels like right now, they're saying, oh, we're expecting Melvin Gordon to be back for week one. We'll see, I guess. We'll, we'll definitely yeah, that, see how that plays out. That but, report uh, should – I'm sorry. That report yeah. should not affect how anyone views Melvin Gordon because there was a follow-up report that the writer is basing it off of a hunch. Now, I know these writers know more than we do, and they're in there, and maybe he has inside information that he's not allowed to reveal or anything, but I can't boost Melvin Gordon back up my board strictly on a writer's hunch. Although I will say, uh, Matt Money Smith, he's the voice of uh, the Chargers out here. He used to work uh, as one of the hosts on the fantasy show at NFL Network. I I saw him tweeting today that he will still be drafting Melvin Gordon because next week, at this time next week, he thinks he's going to be a first-rounder again. So that is two people kind of close to the – not kind of close, close to the Chargers now speculating that – they think he is going to be signed and playing week one. But again, that report was just a hunch. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, because I, I love Melvin Gordon. I'm a big fan of when he's out there. But A, you know he's going to miss some time with injury. B, if he's like he could literally sit out till week 10 if he really wanted to. And if you do that, that's going to be a killer. Right now you can get him in the late second, early third if you want. Would you Would you take the gamble on Melvin Gordon? I haven't. I don't have any shares of him yet, and maybe I'll kick myself when he when he signs. But I I look at it as I read an article on ESPN, and it, it compared why the Melvin Gordon situation is different from Le'Veon Bell, and the biggest difference is for Melvin Gordon, he needs that year to play to to for that fifth year of his contract to expire and him to become a free agent. Unlike Le'Veon Bell, where the Steelers just decided not to refranchise him. But the article stated that, and I'm no no contract or CBA expert by any means, so I'm going to take it from the, the article on ESPN that, that I'm going to take it at face value. It stated that for uh, Melvin Gordon to accrue a full year of service time and become a free agent, he would have to report before, 31 days before uh, the last month of the regular season, I believe it was. The, the date was he had to report by November 29th. So... Yeah. That scares the hell out of me because he very well could sit out till Thanksgiving weekend, and I don't foresee him walking in week 13 and then being like, all right, here you go. Maybe, you know, he holds out a month or or a half a season, but this seems like he's not, you know, going to just say, all right, whatever, I, I lost this and come back and just be ready to go next week. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. That's why it's kind of – Strange for me to, to, to see all this. I Like I said, I'm a big Melvin guy, but I am not drafting him right now. I just can't bring myself to do it. I think Austin Eckler still has value with or without Melvin Gordon. If Melvin's not there, then Justin Jackson obviously comes into the mix. But be interesting to see how all that plays out here in the next uh, you know 10 days or so. An interesting one that popped out today, Bruce Arians of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, there's been rumblings lately of, uh, I'm going to butcher this, apologies, but Dare, how do you say, o- Ogumbole? How do you pronounce it's, that one? I believe it's Dare, and then the last name is Ogun Bawale. Ogun Bawale. Okay, Dare Ogun Bawale. Once I hear it, it sounds makes sense. Dare Dare Ogun Bawale. I but could be Peyton, wrong though. <laughs> it works for me. You got Peyton Barber. You got Ronald Jones. Uh, Ogun Bawale. 
God dang, that's a fun one. People um, have been tweeting me calling him Ogun, so if you want to call him Ogun. Ogun sounds great. Ogun <laughs> is what we're going with on Bench with Bubba. Big fan of that now. Um, Ogun's been getting a lot of uh, work during the preseason and in camp. People are loving him. And Arian said he's going to go with the hot hand come week one, so Ogun can get some work. Yeah, Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber. What are you doing with the Tampa Bay backfield? The running back that I own the most on this team is Ogun. Uh, nice. I started I, I started believing in him. I'd be a liar if I said I, I believed in him, you know, heading into the preseason or anything like that. But when he started to get serious work at in the preseason, I started to buy in. And I, I think it was like two weeks ago was the first time I really started touting him. And I put on Twitter like, hey, this guy, you could get him in the round in round 18 or 20 in your drafts. Not only that, like in round 18, the last round on, on draft. I had to scroll down a couple weeks ago at running back to still find him. He was not, I don't even think he had an ADP. Now he's slowly climbing up the list, but you could still get him in round 17, 18. And that's going to continue to climb though, as today the report came out that Dare is going to be their, their third down back. And what that means is he's probably going to be using the two minute drill as well. And if Jalen Richard did anything last year, yeah, there's a lot of value there. Theo Riddick made his, PPR bread and butter there last year was Richard. That's I, I think he is going to be the most valuable of, of those Tampa Bay running backs because he's also ran well this year. And if he's, you know, doing well in the passing game, I think he can eat into those early down opportunities. So again, he's no slam dunk. That's why he's going so late. But of those three backs and at their price, yeah, give me Dari all day. Yeah, and that, I love that. That's why I want to have the conversation. His value alone is pretty, pretty good. So it's hard to pass that up. And just a muddled backfield. It's like take the cheapest one and see what happens. If it doesn't work, you drop them. It's very simple. And you still got value elsewhere. So I like that uh, the Ogun call there could be very, very nice. The New York Jets, Robbie Anderson having a calf issue. Uh, they're hoping, that's the report today, they're hoping he's back for week one. We know how explosive Robbie Anderson can be when he's out there on the field. Sam Darnold looks better and better. Last year and even in this preseason, you mentioned already you have you've moving them up your rankings a little bit. Still back end um, of like the, the teens, but still you're moving him up. What's your thoughts on Robbie Anderson? Like if his injuries, like how how does this affect Darnold for you? And I know some guys are big on Anderson this year. I am one of them. I'm uh, an Anderson believer. He's a top twenty four wide receiver for me uh, this season, and Anderson. It, it's worth noting too that last year he led the team in basically every stat with Sam Darnold. And what I mean by that is like he had more targets than anyone from Sam Darnold and he had more receiving yards and more receiving touchdowns than anyone. So I'm a big believer in him. I think he's a receiver who is not just a big play receiver, but gets that, that reputation. I think he can do it all. Um, the calf is a little scary. They're still saying right now he's just day-to-day and expected to be ready for week one. If you want to downgrade him a bit and draft this weekend because of that calf, I'm okay with it. But it doesn't sound too severe, so I'm not really downgrading any of the other pieces in the Jets' offense. Uh, although there is one piece I've been moving heavily up in that offense, and it's Jamison Crowder. I mean, every report is Talk saying that. Yeah, every report is saying that this guy it could catch – 90 to 100 balls this season and and him and Darnold since day one have this great chemistry and and Darnold did throw a good amount to the slot last season so I think that we're gonna I could pull up the exact number he targeted the slot but he 
he threw I know he threw there a lot and, and that's his new toy, his new bread and butter guy, you know, those short, safe, intermediate routes, those those lower A dot but higher probability passes, they're all gonna be going Jameson Crowder's way. I like that. Crowder's always been a nice PPR guy out of the slot and everything. So that'd be good to see if he gets his because you know it's Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunua, uh Jameson Crowder, a little bit to go around there. But if if Darnell keeps developing the way he's gonna develop, that's big. And um we'll we'll bring this up real quick. Recent news also. I had it at the bottom of this section of news. Well, we're talking Jets now. Uh, Lev Bell has not played in an actual football game in over a season now. No preseason games. Ty Montgomery's actually had a pretty good preseason. We know what Ty Mont can do when he's healthy. And they've already said that for the first two, three games or whatever, they're going to split the roles. Now, believe what you want. I guarantee you if Lev gets a hot hand, they're going to leave the ball in Lev's hands. But what's your thoughts on Ty Because he's actually been really good. And we know as like a, a running back, part two of a committee, he can still be very productive. Yeah, I, I'm i still a believer in Le'Veon Bell, but Ty Montgomery has played well in the preseason. They, they utilized him a lot, which made me feel great for Le'Veon Bell. And I will say this, my biggest knock on the Jets coming into the season was Adam Gase. Don't yeah. think Adam Gase is a very good uh, head coach. But that being said, the the Jets offense was running a lot of no huddles this preseason. They were running a lot of, you know, a lot of plays. And that's something he did the exact opposite of. The Miami Dolphins last year averaged the fewest plays per game of all teams in the NFL. So if they're going to play an up-tempo pace with Sam Darnold, it's going to lead to more passing opportunities, more rushing opportunities. And with that, you know, you start to see them, though they will use a guy like Ty Montgomery to spell Le'Veon Bell. I don't, He's not a guy I'm targeting. Uh, I could see in best ball wanting him. Uh, I think he's more of a late-round flyer or a waiver-wire guy, but I do think they're, he's a name you should be paying attention to. But with that said, though, he's not a guy that I'm like, make sure you leave your draft with Ty Montgomery. Gotcha. Speaking of Adam Gase and the Miami Dolphins, Kenyon Drake is back. People said, you know, minor injury, foot in a boot, give him two weeks. Well, like two weeks, he's back, and people say he's looking good, but – that's never been Kenyon Drake's problem. He's always looked good. He's actually a better running back than Kalen Balazs. But somehow Kalen Balazs keeps, you know, he's in the way. And as a Dolphins fan, this tilts me to no end. Um, what's your take on this running back situation? Because even as a Dolphins fan, I just don't draft either one of them. But if what what's your take on the drake Balage battle in the backfield? I am a Kenyon Drake backer at his price. Like, I got him last night in a best ball draft in, I believe, round eight. Uh, I did last weekend – I was in the GST draft uh, with a lot of other uh, fantasy writers and such. And we got Kenyon Drake at the end of round nine after oh, Caleb wow. Balazs. Like, wow. And I did, we didn't go into that draft like expecting to get Drake. But as our RB4 in a league like that, I, I was just like, yes, we steal. need to take Kenyon Drake here. And I think Kenyon Drake is the, the better player of the two. Uh, Brad Evans, great follow on Twitter. He has a, a thread all about how – poorly Kalen Balazs has played and Drake has that big playability he's a better pass catcher and, and I think he's just an overall more skilled runner he is still the one that I'm targeting there and, and you could I love that you could get him now as a low-end RB3 I, I used to be a couple like a month or two ago I was comfortable taking him as my RB3 now you're getting him even cheaper I understand that that Balazs is going to eat into some work but outside of you know the the elite running backs in the NFL who doesn't have someone eating into their work? Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much I, – I saw the numbers somewhere. You probably know it. It's something I think 
there's what maybe four, five or six non-committee teams out there. Everyone's got them now. So it's like, and that's, that, that brings the whole, what's a handcuff debate, which I don't want to get into right now, because if it's committee, are they really a handcuff? Yeah, we don't know. So <laughs> that's a whole other to that point. Yeah. Like I, I wrote a whole article uh, earlier this year on fan tracks and it was average running backs by year with at least 250 or more touches. And from like 2000 to 2004, there was 22.8 running backs average. So you're looking at two thirds of the league. Yeah, but two thirds of the league. Wow. And and Latin from 2015 through 2018, that number dropped to 12.2. Whew. So, yeah, <laughs> That's you're, a big drop. You're getting these guys in the first two rounds for a reason. Yes, exactly. That's why it's like, you know, you could, there, there's a reason you can justify zero running back. There's also a reason why you take these guys early. Like it's, it's pretty simple. Um, Let's talk about the Houston Texans some more. Kiki Kuti injured a couple weeks ago in preseason. He's back on the field. People are, are happy with that because he has another one of those guys coming down the slot that everybody loved. This Houston Texans Texans offense is supposed to be pretty pretty exciting this season. Mike, you got all the all the weapons out there. Kuti's the fifty second running back off the board according to Fantasy Pros, going anywhere from forty six to fifty five with like Jamison Crowder, who you mentioned Anthony Miller, Michael Gallup. Golden Tate's even going before him. He's missing four games. What's your take on Kiki Kuti right now? I currently have him in PPR as my wide receiver 42, and it is nice. perfect that he returned to practice today because yesterday I finally lowered him. Like I had him in my top 40 all summer long, and as of yesterday I was like, wow, there's still no news on Kiki. I, I have to lower him. And then, you know, he started practicing again, but he's still not going to be ready for week one. So I do have him devalued a bit. But I think when he's back, it's interesting because, granted, it was only four games last year, small sample size, only a quarter of a regular season. But he averaged 7.5 targets per game. D-Hop averaged 9.8. And Will Fuller was at 4.8 per game. So Will Fuller was being used more as to stretch the field, throw your, you know, keep the the – defense is honest and Kiki QT was really the possession receiver the move the chains got here and D hop is D hop he's going to do his thing no matter who's out there but I, I do like Kiki a lot uh I, I you know slot receivers right now are like Popeye's chicken sandwich they're all the raves uh, and <laughs> everyone wants there's the slot receiver on their team but Kiki QT was a guy last year who I was hyping up a lot whenever he did play the, the few games that we saw him out there he was effective so He's a guy that, you know, I'll be writing about a lot in my slot report this year. But I think when he is out there, he will eat into Will Fuller's uh, volume. And, and it's going to make Fuller, I, I think, a little bit of a headache week to week. Yeah, I'm a big Fuller fan this year, too. So I'm not very happy about this. I like the upside of Fuller, but uh, you throw too many weapons out there. Obviously, uh, Hopkins is going to get his and then everybody else gets to share. So it's going to make things a little difficult there in Houston. Still gonna, I, I can't do anything about it. I have my fuller shares, and I'm gonna ride or die with them. But it's not nearly as exciting as it once was. Let's go to the Cincinnati Bengals here. AJ Green, we've known all preseason since that first injury that he, he's gonna be out for a while. Best case scenario is week three. You, you're getting a guy that's had ankle injuries in the past. He's already been cut on this year. Week three at best. He's currently the 24th receiver off the board, going around pick 60 right now. I have not brought myself to take A.J. Green. I've heard people recently saying he's falling to the ninth or 10th round. That starts to get my attention. What are you doing with A.J. Green? I, I've i taken him where in, in best ball drafts where he's fallen, and 
I think it's a little bit different in best ball because you can survive the first couple weeks without him. But yeah. like like yesterday, I was considering him in like round eight, I believe, and he went just before me. But I was like, all right, you know, and so that kind of paints the picture of where I'm seven, eight, nine. And if he falls to nine or ten, like you said, but I think seven or eight is more realistic, like where I start to be like, all right, this could be a, a like if he's my wide receiver three, I'm OK with that. I, there are other guys, you know, like Robbie Anderson in his range that I like more. But if A.J. Green misses two weeks, and again, there's no guarantee that it's just two weeks. He he does have a, a history of missing time, and, and this is another ankle injury, like you said. But if he does only miss two or three games, it, there's just going to be – that's a steal if he then comes back and plays 13 games and you get A.J. Green production for 13 games and you got him in round seven. Like that, that's going to be a positive return on your investment, and I think that – that is one of those upside picks that if you are comfortable with with the base of your team that you built and you, you didn't really take any risk in the early rounds, I think A.J. Green then fits you there. It's more of a roster construction thing, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. If you, if you have the depth to do it, that's where I'm starting to see it come viable ninth, tenth round. You can start making it work. I can't go early when I'm, I'm taking valuable pieces to my starting, uh, my starting squad. So definitely roster uh, construction is key to that situation. Let's go to Dallas here. Amari Cooper dealing with the, I believe it was plantar fasciitis, I believe, or turf toe. I've heard a few different things. Um, reports are he's going to be good to go week one. They're hoping he's going to be go, good to go week one. Still the 13th receiver off the board, going between Stefan Diggs, T.Y. Hilton, Edelman and company. Um, Michael Gallup's having a huge preseason. His name is on everyone's tongue. What are you doing with that uh, receiving core there in Dallas? I don't really target Amari Cooper. There's just names I like that go around him more. AB, I am 100% with you. Yeah, like him and AB go in that same range. I have Keenan Allen ahead of him. Uh, I, in PPR, I have Adam Thielen and, and Stephon Diggs both ahead of him. Uh, and I think Amari Cooper is still going to be kind of what Amari Cooper was. Because last year with the Cowboys, that's still what he was. Some really big games, some you know not so big games. And I understand he was brought there mid-year, so now he's going to be more comfortable and, and a bigger part of that offense. But we've seen Amari Cooper for years kind of be this high, low floor, very high ceiling wide receiver week to week. And I bought into him last year thinking, you know, all right, he's going to get peppered with targets now with, with John Gruden because that's what history states that Gruden does with his wide receiver ones. And I was dead wrong. And maybe that's why I'm not as excited this year for Amari Cooper. I like him more as a WR2 if you, you know, can swing him on that three four swing maybe you started I, I don't like if you if you somehow had another wide receiver in the first three rounds I'm okay taking him early fourth but that doesn't seem to be how it really goes yeah uh, I'm with you there just I, I just can't buy into it right now I guess things will change and we'll see how it goes but I'm, I'm not there with with Dallas as a whole uh, until I see the whole Zeke news by then Oh, my drafts will probably be done. So that's just one I'm going to miss. That's what DFS is for. So we'll play it then. Uh, Carolina, Cam Newton, a guy I was really big on this year. I still, I'm, I'm fine with him. I actually don't mind it because it means he might not run as much and get hurt with his shoulder and everything. Uh, he has a foot issue. They're not too concerned with it. I believe he's already back in practice now. He is back in practice now. Um, he's, he's a big time player. Some people have him much higher than others. If you look at uh, ADP right now, he is currently the 10th QB off the board. I've seen guys have him much higher than that and much lower. How are you assessing Cam Newton? Draft Cam Newton in round nine and just return. Enjoy the investment and the return on investment that you're going to get. He's my QB yes. six right now. Considering even moving him up, 
Uh, Cam Newton, and, and the biggest thing to me is the fact that the reports. I understand this foot injury he had that that happened, but the fact that all the reports kind of stated that his shoulder is back and he is, um, he's his deep ball is back to what it was pre-surgery. I, I just love that, and the fact that I think Cam Newton is super underrated in fantasy. He's been a hundred percent with you. Top four quarterback in five of the last eight seasons. Top two in two of the last four. I mean, he's rushed for four or more touchdowns in every single one of his NFL seasons. Like, this guy is just a beast. And plus, this is the best receiving core I think he's ever had. And uh, Graham Barfield from NFL made a really good point, I thought, on one of their podcasts. He said this is the first time that the Carolina Panthers actually have weapons who could do damage after the catch with the ball in their hands like dj moore and curtis samuel both if you get them the ball in space they could make things happen kelvin benjamin couldn't do that devin funches couldn't do that those were more more like tall possession old school style receivers so i i think you know with cmc and olsen and samuel and and dj moore i'm all about drafting cam newton in the you know ninth tenth round even if he falls a little bit yeah big cam newton fan with you here i like the value he you can get with him is crazy. I'd have him. Yeah, top six is good. I could I could hear arguments even over a couple other guys, but uh, the the big boys are still the big boys. But yeah, big fan of Cam Newton. Let's go to New England. As much as I don't like going to New England, let's talk about the Patriots. Josh Gordon passed the physical. He's ready to rock and roll. Two full weeks of practice with with Tom Brady coming up here. Currently the thirty second receiver off the board, going seventy third overall. I think he's going to go much much higher than that. But what's your take on Josh Gordon? I like Josh Gordon a lot. He's a top 30 wide receiver for me across the board. I have him a little bit lower in PPR where I think there's some other guys who get a boost. And and if you want to go the safe route, I'm okay with that. But right now he's my wide receiver 28. And I have a feeling that I think I'm going to bump him up a little bit more. I drafted him last week in round seven. It was right after uh, he got like two days after he got reinstated. So this was, I guess, two week a week like a week and a half ago took him in round seven and I've always been a sucker for Josh Gordon I I get sucked in every single year I understand the risk are that his demons catch up to him again and he cannot run them all season but I'm hoping that you know he for him as a person I'm just hoping that he can have a a healthy 2019 season and play 16 games finally but I just think the upside there is immense. He was a WR2 week in and week out last year with Tom Brady, and now he has another year acclimated. There's no Gronk there. I think him and Edelman are going to see huge target shares, and I think it also does – everyone you know, wants to fade Tom Brady, and, and I get it. He's 42, and there's so much guys with higher upside. But he went from my QB 22, and after the Josh Gordon news, I bumped him up to QB – 17 so i think josh gordon does a lot for tom brady as well yeah i'm with you i think it's a, it's a huge win all around for the patriots which is a huge loss for pretty much all of us but uh big, big things for the patriots yet again all right we, we went over most of the news let's do some kind of adp debates they don't have to go super in depth just kind of have some fun with it here trying to just cover questions when people are you know they have their list of their drafts and they might not have it tiered out properly or there's you like literally they go, they go and print off a sheet of ADPs, and they got to decide between guys. Let's help them with that here, Mike. Um, when you're looking at quarterbacks, Breeze, Wentz, and uh, Wilson all go six, seven, eight. I'd have Cam over all of them. Pretty sure you have Cam over all of them. 
But if you have that little blob, a glob of Breeze, Wentz, and Wilson, how do you rank those three out? Yeah, I do have uh, Cam ahead of all three, but Wentz is right behind him at seven, and he is the one I would be taking. Uh, we saw it a couple years ago. He he has that MVP potential in him, uh, and he threw the touchdown rate dropped last year, like we thought it would, but the yardage went up, and that was a big sign because now he has you know even I think even better weapons around him now that they added Deshaun Jackson. It, it gives them that take the top off the defense piece that I think they were missing in that offense. But I, I think Carson Wentz top is a lock to be a top 10 quarterback this year. And he has the upside to move in to, you know, be like a top three or four quarterback. Russell Wilson, I have at nine. I don't know if he has quite the ceiling of a Wentz, but I think people are downgrading him, man. He finished as a QB nine last year and QB 12 in points per game. And that was with his fewest pass attempts since his second year in the league fewest rushing attempts ever no rushing touchdowns and he still was a QB9 QB12 on points per game basis this is where I think I disagree from from the masses I do not touch Drew Brees at all he's my 18 like I have zero shares of him and he threw last year for less than 4,000 yards his fewest since 2005 he just he had a, a 6.5% uh, touchdown percent, his highest since 2009. That is going to regress. He threw his fewest pass attempts since 2004. And he last year, he had four games of over 30 points that really did boost his value. And I do think he will have some big games in the Dome this year. But he had over five games with less than 15 points. I don't want that in my ro- on my roster. Give me these younger, higher upside quarterbacks. Yep, I'm with you there, big time. I have no no love for Breeze. Wentz is my number one in a lot of leagues because it's weird they have him QB7 here going pick 76. It feels like most drafts that I do, he falls behind a lot of these guys like Wilson, Newton, Ben. I've seen Wentz fall pretty good in some drafts, so uh, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, the next kind of grouping, you have Cam Newton and Kyler Murray. Uh, you obviously have Cam higher. Just give me your thoughts on Kyler Murray because it's kind of like some other guys we've already talked about. You're either in the you're pro Kyler or you're anti Kyler. There's really no kind of wishy washy there. Yeah, I have him as QB eight. I'm in on Kyler, I, and Heck that's yeah. actually moving him. I had him ahead of Wentz for a little bit, but then I realized I I do like Wentz a little bit more. But Kyler Murray, I think, has the upside to be like Patrick, not maybe not Patrick Mahomes level, but a special you know first year come start this year and just take over and dominate and really have a special NFL season. He rated last year's PFF's highest passing rated quarterback and rushing rating quarterback. He we've seen a little bit of his arm on display. Don't get too worried by the preseason. They they never ran four wide receiver sets this preseason. That was a staple in Kings uh, uh Cliffs Kingsbury's offense back in Texas Tech. So, I think we're going to see a lot of different things that we didn't see in the preseason, but we did see his rushing ability and we did see that he can throw strikes on the run, which is huge playing behind that offensive line. I think Kyler Murray is going to have a very good season. Yeah, I'm hundred percent with you. We're uh, on the same page on all this. This is good to hear here. Uh, last quarterback question I have here, our last debate, when you kind of miss out on, on the big guys, just because you're taking the value on, at all the other positions and you go, I know quarterbacks deep. I'll just get someone late. You know, the 16th, 17th, and 18th quarterback off the board right now, Jameis Winston, Dak Prescott, Phillip Rivers, there can be arguments made to start them most weeks. How do you kind of differentiate those three guys? I have them very, very close. I have Dak 12, Jameis 13, and then I have Rivers at 
16. And I, I go back and forth with Rivers and Big Ben at 15 and 16. But I, I like Dak the most because of the rushing ability. Uh, this year, my philosophy with quarterback really is to try to get one of these younger, high upside rushing quarterbacks. And Dak does fit that mold. Dak does rush a lot. I'll have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray. Cam's not young, but, you know, that rushing quarterback because quarterback is so deep that I'm going to be able to get someone good off the waiver wire if these guys flame out. Yeah, no, that that's the beauty of quarterbacks. That's why I've never really been, like, desperate to grab guys. Like, if if you're getting to a certain point, you need to go for it. But, you know, if all else fails, you can always roll the dice on one of these. Like, Winston falls everywhere. Jimmy G might be better than we think. He might not be, but there's so many of them you can play the waiver wire and just kind of go by matchups at times if you do it right. So you don't have to panic. I prefer to have kind of a lockdown guy like you're saying, but if it doesn't work, you you have flexibility here and you can load up on the other positions without really any concern. That'd be kind of my takeaway from the drafts I've been doing. Let's go to the running back position now. We got some fun ones. We could have done a ton here because it's such a deep position. I did. I kind of stayed out of the top, you know, 10, 15, because those all seem pretty pretty much talked about a lot. We have those figured out, and you can probably check out Mike's work over on Fantrax and NFL Network to check all that out. But um, let's get into some kind of mid-tier ones. 15, 16, and 17 on the board. Devontae Freeman for the for the Falcons, Aaron Jones, and Josh Jacobs. Different kind of running backs. They should be the lead guys in their offense. Uh, and when you get to this point in the draft, this is like late round two, early round three. If you went wide receiver, wide receiver, these might be some of your first options. How do you uh, look at these three? I have them all ranked very closely. Aaron Jones is my highest. He is at... RB14 in PPR for me, but then I have Jacobs at RB15 and Devonta Freeman at RB17. Uh, I just like Jones because I like the Packers offense. You have Aaron Rodgers. And anytime, you know, I could have a running back play with Aaron Rodgers compared to, to Derek Carr or Matt, or Matt Ryan. No offense to, to those guys, but I, I want Aaron Rodgers. And yeah. Aaron Jones looked really well when he was finally given the opportunity last year. Now, no Mike McCarthy and LaFleur is already saying how he wants his running backs to catch the ball. And Aaron Jones rates better not only as a receiver but as a runner, basically across the board, than Jamal Williams. I, I think he will be the guy. And if he's also going to be heavily used in the passing game with Aaron Rodgers, sign me up. Yep, I'm with you there. Let's go to Chris Carson versus Sony Michelle. Everyone's on the Chris Carson bandwagon right now. You got Sony Michelle, who's a workhorse back but not much of a PPR back. How are you differentiating Carson and Sony Michelle? When I made these, I pretty much did for PPR leagues. Yeah, and to me, this one is not close at all. Uh, Carson is my RB eighteen. Sony Michelle is twenty eight. Uh, there's a lot of talks that Carson is going to be more used in the passing game. Uh, Mike Davis actually led this team in targets and receptions amongst the running backs last year, and he's gone now. So there is work to be had there. We, we saw him last year. He's a great runner. He was. Fifth in the league, I believe, in, in rushing yards, top 10 in touchdowns. As for Sony Michelle, you have that knee to worry about. You have James White to worry about. James White's going to eat into his passing work. They, they have Damian Harris there now, which I think was insurance because they're afraid of that knee. So give me Chris Carson. And it's, I don't, Sony Michelle is kind of a fade for me this year. Not that I, I wouldn't want him on my team, but where he goes, I'm never looking to take him. 100% with you. Like I took him as value last year because the injury, people were worried about him. But, man, like he had great weeks for you. And then there's the horror story weeks where he'd run, run, run. And then there's Rex Burkett or James Devlin gets three times. Like, they had so many just ridiculous weeks. 
with with Sony. Like he bust his rear end, but he couldn't find the end zone. And without the PPR, it really didn't help you much at all. So good, good back. He's going to be a real a, a real life player. Fantasy is going to have some rough weeks for you. Let's talk about the guys that are kind of um, not, I'm not. I don't want to say handcuffs. They're running back twos and very good offenses, and they're very popular names. You have Matt Breida. You have Jalen Samuels. Breida going forty first, running back off the board. Samuels forty third. What's your take on these two? Because Breida's name can't get off anybody's tongue right now. Yeah, another. This one isn't that close to me either. This is Matt Breida all day. Jalen Samuels. I, I've never understood. The hype, I, I get it. You know, in like June and early July, I believe we were hearing reports that he could eat into James Conner's workload and be used in the passing game. But James Conner is the bell cow there. I, I don't doubt it at all. Mike Tomlin has always been a like to have a bell cow running back, and, and they've always succeeded under him. Not just Le'Veon Bell, like when D'Angelo Williams stepped up. Now we saw James Conner do it. it that there's a lot of more proof that he is going to be the bell cow than other than a couple of quotes saying he's not. So I think James Conner is going to be the workhorse there. Whereas I think Breed is going to be heavily used uh, in the 49ers offense. And so far this preseason, Breed has played 21 of the 47 snaps uh, that with Jimmy Garoppolo and Coleman has played 30. So I think it's going to be about Two-thirds, maybe a little bit less go to Coleman's way, but Matt Breida is going to get his opportunity in an offense that you want to have the running back. And I also think Matt Breida gets a little bit disrespected, well, was getting disrespected. Now, you know, he caught that that nice catch, touchdown catch the other day. He's getting a lot more hype as of late, but he is, he is a huge, still a huge value in drafts. Yeah, de- definite value in drafts. Let's go to the wide receiver position because Brita, yeah, I'm with you there. It's going to be really crazy to see how it all plays out with McKinnon gone and everything now. But wide receiver position, you got some fun ones here. The 10th, 11th, and 12th receivers off the board. You got Keenan Allen sandwiched between the Vikings, Thielen, and Diggs. I-, I like this one because you got Allen who's already got like an ankle injury. We know he gets banged up a lot, but he's super, super productive. Thielen, good first half. Diggs, first good second half last year. They can both go off, but most of the time it's like one or the other. How do you break down these three? It's funny you said they're going 10, 11, 12, because in my PPR rankings, they're 10, 11, 12. Keenan Allen, one. Adam Thielen, two. Stephon Diggs, three. Uh, The only thing I will say of these three is I think Keenan is the safe you take him one because, like you said, the Vikings guys do tend to alternate good weeks. Uh, But – the Vikings have said that they're going to use Adam Thielen more deep this year. And when he did play in preseason, he did have a, I forget the yardage on it, but he had one long catch. And then on the next play, it was a 46 yard pass interference call that he drew. So they were throwing him the ball deep. And if that's going to be a new part of their Viking offense this year, I think Adam Thielen's ceiling gets even higher. Yeah. And that that's the only thing Like I, I want to grab Thielen. Diggs, I, just, I can't wrap my head around drafting Diggs these days because it's just, I know they want to feed Thielen the ball over and over, and if they start extending the field with him, like you're saying, then where is the room for Diggs to play here? It really kind of takes away the game. I'm not saying he's not going to have his weeks, but I think Thielen has the, the higher ceiling and more consistency. And I've always been a Keenan Allen guy. I'll roll those dice with him all day long. Let's drop down to 19-20-21. Tyler Lockett's pretty much the lone ranger in Seattle these days. We saw in the last preseason game. Um, Russell Wilson, you might say, likes him quite a bit. Threw it to him a lot. You have Chris Godwin, who we knew was really good last year. Now he's the guy out of the slot. Everyone is drooling over him. And you got Cooper Cup, kind of usually the forgotten man 
in what could be a three-headed receiving monster in in uh, Los Angeles. Very, very good, but he's getting drafted high. You just don't hear him talked about a lot. How do you break down these these three, Lockett, Godwin, Cup? I like all three as WR2s, but Tyler Lockett is my guy this year. I have him 16, Godwin 17, and Cup 20 in PPR, but man, Tyler Lockett, I, I'm probably going to end up raising him. He'll probably be in my top 15 when all is said and done. But he had a perfect passing rating when targeted last year in the slot and out wide, which is awesome because DK Metcalf, uh, remember that the knock on him was he runs all his routes from the left side. Perfect fit in Seattle. He is going – DK is the new Tyler Lockett. And what I mean by that is probably going to be a low catch total guy, but is going to have a high – yards per reception a lot of targets you know in the end zone so I think he'll be kind of a boomer bust per week guy and Tyler Lockett is the new Doug Baldwin and what I mean by that is he's going to see a lot of time in the slot but he's also going to you know be used with some deep shots downfield we've seen preseason Russell Wilson is always looking Tyler Lockett's way and the only receiver to ever have a hundred or more targets in a season with Russell Wilson has been Doug Baldwin did it three times his lowest finish in any of those three seasons is the PPR wide receiver 13. So I'm all about Tyler Lockett this year. I'll take him in every single league if I can. Uh, the only player I think I'm trying to get even more than Tyler Lockett is D.D. Westbrook. And I'm pretty sad. I don't know. I put this out on Twitter the other day. I got really sad when D.D. Westbrook had such a big preseason game because his value is climbing. Yeah. And I know you were able to get him as a wide receiver four like a week ago. He is in my top 24, and I think he has top 20 potential. So those are my two guys. Like, if you take anything away from what I said this year, let it be to dra- uh, this episode, let it be to draft Tyler Lockett and D.D. Westbrook. Yeah, I love I love both those calls. D.D.'s up to 37th receiver off the board, pick 83. I know our buddy Matty Modica was tweeting about him today got all kinds of reactions like some guys are like well why and then some guys are in love with him some guys hated him yeah i was- i'm i'm very much so in love with him nick Foles threw to the slot yep. more last year than any quarterback now that andrew luck has been retired uh he actually had more passes to the slot than he did out wide and we saw in preseason the other day that his primary and top target is always going to be dd westbrook yeah dd should get peppered quite a bit a couple more here when you drop on down uh, 28, 30, and 31. Allen Robinson, Robbie Anderson, Will Fuller. We kind of talked about Robbie Anderson and Fuller a bit earlier. You got Allen Robinson, you know, once a great receiver in Jacksonville, still could be very good. And an interesting offense in Chicago. How do you differentiate these three? Because these are kind of your, uh, if you went running back heavy early, you might be looking at these guys as a wide receiver too. Yeah. Anderson is in my is my highest. And right now in PPR, he's my wide receiver 25. Have him even higher in standard Allen Robinson is 26 and then I do have Fuller a bit lower Fuller's my wide receiver 38 and that's just because I think Fuller is going to be a little bit inconsistent week to week and I've already stated that I think his volume takes a hit with Kiki and now Duke as well uh I've spoke about Anderson I love him I might be a little bit low on Allen Robinson he's a pretty boring player to me I think Robbie Anderson does have a higher ceiling but maybe I'm wrong there because Robinson is still a young wide receiver in an up-and-coming offense. Yeah, uh, we're pretty much on the same page there. Uh, Last one I got for you, kind of similar in appearance and what they do, but definitely different players between uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who looks really good in his first game back, Curtis Samuel, and Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis, the ever-volatile Dante Pettis. 
how do you look at those three? Because they all could have some really good ceilings, but the floor can get messy at times. Yeah, I have uh, Samuel at 33, Pettis at 35, and Sanders at 40. I think Sanders obviously is the riskiest, 32 years old, coming off of that real severe injury. I, I had him, I wrote him off. I left him for dead coming into this preseason, but he's proven me wrong, and now I'm back. He's the wide receiver that I want to own in Denver. I think Pettis has the highest ceiling of any of these guys, but hearing reports, you know, a lot of negative reports about him, I still do think he starts and and has a fine year. And he's someone that I've been targeting a lot because he's going later in drafts, but I think he has the highest ceiling. Curtis Samuel, though, I mean, who doesn't love this guy? Who's not hearing great reports about him out of camp and that that he's virtually unguardable and him and Cam are, have so much chemistry on the deep ball. I I, I think him and Pettis are, are very, very close. And all I – all offseason, basically, I had Pettis higher, but in recent weeks, you know, with the news, I, I've changed that. But I think Pettis' ceiling is higher than Samuel's. Yeah, I, I can dig that there. So you're, how high would you take Pettis? Because some people love him and some people are so worried about the whole situation right now. I'm okay. I think Pettis comes in into play for me at, like, around wide receiver 30. Okay. Like, I have Ridley at 30, then Mike Williams, who's someone that I keep going back and forth on on Williams. I think he's one of the most polarizing players in fantasy this year. Then I have Watkins, Samuel, Christian Kirk. Like, I think that's a fair grouping for him. Would you rather have DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel if you had to have one Carolina receiver? DJ Moore. He's my wide receiver 23 in PPR. I think he's going to see a lot more catches. I think, you know, Samuel's going to be the better deep threat and such, but I think – DJ Moore is going to be the lead this team in targets, receptions, and potentially yards. Okay, a couple more questions for you, and we'll get out of here. Any final players, like you mentioned, you know, D.D. Westbrook and some others, any, not just receivers, any other guys that are kind of on your, your – you got a draft list as people head into draft weekend? So the first one that comes to mind, he's higher up on the list, but it's Damian Williams. I, I've been really high on Damian Williams since – Basically, he took over the Chiefs job last year, and, and I was hoping that he, you know, came into this year as a starter. Didn't expect it, but was hoping he did. And, I, I mean, I, I want whoever starts for that Chiefs offense, if it's Darwin Thompson later in the year, which I don't think it will be unless Damian Williams gets hurt. But if that's the case, then I'm going to want him. They they were off the charts, the most effective running back tandem ever in terms of yards per receiving yards per target, and that's because that – that down-the-field threat of Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and Watkins, you can't load up the box against them. You just simply can't, and it leads to so many openings near the line of scrimmage. Uh, another running, Two other running backs that I have a lot of shares of early on, my most owned running backs, are Devin Singletary and Darius Geis. Darius Geis is starting to climb a little bit after, you know, that one stiff arm we saw the other day. But I think people forget about how great Darius Geis was as a prospect coming out of college. He was going in the fourth round of last year. And I understand we've seen him. We haven't really seen him much because of the injuries, but he still was that top level prospect. And now you could get him as an RB3, whereas last year he was a high end RB2. Yeah, I will gladly take that discount. I, I think he does steal the job away from AP and Singletary. I'm not sold yet that LaShawn McCoy is even going to be on the Bills roster week one they could cut him this week and save a lot of money Uh, there's been a lot of rumors that he's been involved in trade talks I don't see him getting traded I I wouldn't be surprised though if he got cut and and then we'll see a split of Singletary and Frank Gore and speaking of Frank Gore he is going to split time with LaShawn McCoy all preseason long those two split time 
Frank Gore is not just a handcuff. Frank Gore, I think, is one of the better, very, very late round picks right now. Not a high upside, but just that safety of a floor. Like I've been taking him in, in like last pick in my 18th or 20th round of my best ball drafts. Uh, so those are some running backs that I do have a lot of. I know this sounds very like follow the herdish, but OJ Howard is my, yeah. my top tight end target. And I actually I wrote about Vance McDonald, OJ Howard, and Hunter Henry, along with Chris Herndon, who got suspended but those four run uh tight ends i wrote about back in march and i was like hey evan ingram as well actually i was like these are the young tight ends next year that everyone is going to want to draft and outside of herndon getting suspended it it really has turned out to be the case and and those are running backs uh, tight ends that i am targeting if i miss out on those guys jared cook and and delaney walker quickly become the fallback options there uh and, and darren waller i'm taking a lot of late round shots on him too Yep, I just grabbed Waller in uh, my first waiver wires last night. No one else wanted them. I got them for super cheap, so I'm very happy about that. But uh, you mentioned Darius Geis, and I'm with you. I was all over him last year. Obviously, we know how that ended. Um, he's going right next to Duke Johnson. Do you like Geis or Johnson? I have Dukey higher, but I like both of them. All right, the very last question I have for you. It seems like when people draft, at least where I've seen, I've heard others mention it, if you have one of the top you know, three, four picks or whatever, you're going running back, and you likely match it up with another running back or go a heavy wide receiver. If you have a back-end pick, you're probably going receiver, receiver, and going zero running backs. What is your kind of draft advice? Heading, You've done a lot of best balls, a lot of regular drafts. What's your advice for people heading into the big draft weekend? My biggest piece of advice is do not leave the first two rounds without a running back. And I know zero RB is, is still a thing that people are believing, but like I said earlier in the show, running the, the workhorse running back is a dying breed. And I've been preaching this all all summer long, all draft season long. Like I need one of these running backs that I feel comfortable if they stay healthy are going to give me two hundred and fifty plus touches. And and I I practice what I preach. I I've started drafts RBRB. I've done a, like one or two drafts best ball drafts where I start WRWR but that's just for a little bit of variance and, and to get shares of guys that I didn't have but I, I primarily in all my drafts and I'm going to play out and such I have a running back in the first 24 or 30 pick however deep you know your two rounds are I will have a running back in those two rounds because if you miss out on one of those workhorses good luck finding one yep now there's a lot to be said about that it's either you play with uh you rotate a lot of backs and you don't get it right all the time or you got the workhorses so you can grow and trust. So lots of great advice, lots of great stuff as usual. Mr. Florio, before we wrap it up, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and what you got coming up at NFL Network and Fantrax. Yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at Michael F. Florio, best place to get all my work. But again, slot report every Thursday is going to be out on NFL.com. It'll be up for the Thursday night games, telling you which uh, slot receivers are going to get a boost in value that week. Uh, and then, Fan tracks, my rankings will be out every Thursday morning as well. And then Sunday mornings, I'll be hosting a, a live start sit for them, uh, I believe, on YouTube. Or, or we're gonna, I'll get the exact uh, specifics on my uh, Twitter page as we get closer to week one kickoff. Awesome. Can't wait. Can't wait. And as always, Michael, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 206 with Mike Florio talking some fantasy football. Catch you all later. 